Well, my name is Pat Hickman. I'm the, the pastor here at Fountain Square Prez. I have been not here for the last four Sundays. Um, so it's good to, to be back. I uh, had uh, a bit of a sabbatical. And uh, so I am uh, enjoying being back here uh, among you all. It's a, it is, we were, enjoyed our time. It was restful. Um, but... Uh, we have loved seeing folks uh, this week and uh, seeing folks uh, this Sunday and, and worshiping uh, with you. Even as we were able to get uh, opportunities to worship in four different churches over the last four Sundays. And uh, there's beauty in that. Uh, and uh, I, I also love this congregation and I'm glad to be here. Uh, one of the things that, um, that you see, you don't have to unfortunately... I travel to other states to see, but uh, differences that we have uh, with other folks. And sometimes they're, uh, they're not really that big of a deal. And sometimes you would feel silly. But my niece w- was married last weekend. Um, we were able to be there and a part of that, uh, that wedding. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, one of the things that uh, was regularly talked about was the fact she graduated from Mississippi State last, this last spring. And her husband also did a year ago, and they are now living in Oxford, uh, Mississippi, which is where Ole Miss is. That's their biggest rival. And they have family that lives in Oxford and are big Ole Miss fans, and they're big Mississippi State fans. And so there's a lot of conversation, right? And you never say anything good about the other school. And I understand some of this. I'm a, some of you know I'm an Auburn fan. We have a rival, uh, Alabama. And, uh, but. As I've lived outside of, of the South, I still love SEC football, but uh, I, I just enjoy finding somebody that likes college football, right? Like, there's not a lot of that around here. Uh, but not a lot of fans, I'll say that much. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, it sometimes feels silly, these, these divisions over football teams, college football teams, right? Um, but sometimes people are pretty serious about it. And, uh, and it, it's a, a reminder sometimes of the differences that often cause division uh, among folks. That we are really, many of us experience a great deal of uh, anxiety over the state of uh, our communities, our country, and the divisions that we have. We can think about all the ways in which those divisions are, are occurring. Politically, uh, COVID in response to COVID, uh, we can think about uh, racial injustice and response to racial injustice and just just division after division. There's, there is ways in which we uh, are not getting along. And it feels like uh, the, the issues are bigger than they've ever been. And so over the next few months, we're going to take a look at passages from Scripture that give commands about how we are to treat one another. Uh, sometimes you, you, you might find them referred to as uh, even this, this verb, this idea of one anothering, is how we treat one another. And, and we saw in this passage uh, this morning this idea of loving one another. But we're going to look at a, a bunch of, we're not going to look at all of them, but we're going to look at a bunch of them. And there's um, be devoted to one another, honor one another, serve one another, build up one another, uh, forgive one another, be patient, teach. Uh, there are all kinds of ways in which we are to treat one another. And we're going to be looking at this on Sunday mornings as the church. And uh, almost all of these passages do speak to how we care for other followers of Jesus. And we gather as the people of God who follow Jesus. 
Uh, and we also uh, welcome those who aren't followers of Jesus. And it's an opportunity to learn uh, what we're called to do and how we're called to treat one another. And that does have implications for the way we interact with the, uh, the world, with, with those who aren't followers of Jesus. I mean, we see it even here in verse 35 where uh, Jesus says that they will know you by your love for one another. So there are implications. And then there are ways that we are also to treat those uh, who aren't followers of Jesus with respect and love as well. But we do start here with this idea of how do we treat one another? How do we care for one another? And, and we have to say from the outset, we have the confession of sin. We, we already did that part of the service. And, and we do that because we recognize that we don't always do this well. And we need to be reminded regularly, in fact, of what it looks like to love one another, to treat one another well, to care for one another. And... We're not, even, we're not going to be able to exhaust this topic even over a few months. It's, it's deep, and there are things that we'll miss. And as we talk about loving one another, even from this passage here in John 13, I feel like, oh, there's so much I want to say and so many things I'm going to miss. And hopefully we'll get to some of those in the following weeks, unpacking this big picture of loving one another, unpacking that in all these different ways over the next few weeks. But uh, hopefully we'll find challenge and encouragement uh, as we look. Let me pray for us and we'll dive into John 13. Lord, meet us here in this time. Reveal truth to us. Challenge our hearts and the ways in which we don't readily love one another. Encourage us. Empower us to step into this call well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are two things that we see from this passage that we're going to take a look at uh, that both motivate uh, and um, and call us calls us to uh, to emulate uh, in the love of God. So we have His glory and His sacrifice. So that our love is motivated by His glory and His sacrifice, and it also should mirror His glory and His sacrifice. Uh, so the first thing that we see is His His glory. Um, the the focus here is love one another, this new commandment that he says in in verse 34. Um, But he starts off this passage, the the first part that was read, uh, speaks of the glory of God. It speaks of the glory of the Son of Man. It's helpful to note that the the Son of Man is this reference that Jesus is using from Daniel, the book of Daniel, this prophetic book uh, written centuries before. And, And Jesus is identifying himself and has done this in the Gospels as the Son of Man. He is the Son of Man. He is the Savior to come, the Messiah that is going to, uh, to save God's people. And so as he speaks of the Son of Man and his glory, he's talking about himself, and he's linking it to the glory of the Father, to the glory of God himself. He's linking himself to God. We know this from the Trinity, but we find it played out here when he speaks of this glory. So there's this moment there at the Last Supper, and Judas has, has gone out. When he has gone, when he had gone out, that was talking about Judas is going to betray him. He's headed to the cross at this point. Jesus is headed to the cross. He's headed to die. And so at this moment, he talks about the glory that he has. He says, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. So the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in the work that he's doing. And he's linking that glory. This is a, a, the type of glory that is, is only for the creator of all things, the creator and sustainer of all things. This is the one who is 
now proclaiming this call to love one another and who is himself loving his people. But it goes on even more. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Now, there's a lot of the way that he uses this language, who is him and who's the reference. And we find this word glory, this Greek word of uh, doxazo is used four times very quickly. But what Jesus is doing is he is, he is reminding them both who he is and who God is. So that as he is going to call them to love one another, as he's calling us to love one another, he is reminding them that that flows from who he is and what he's done. Because he says... In verse 34, when he gives them this new commandment, that they should love one another as I have loved you. As I, in all of my glory, have loved you, you should love one another. That the love that we have for one another is first and foremost rooted in God, in his glory, and his love for us. And it it matters that this is who's talking. It matters that he has this kind of glory. If we don't root our attempt to love one another in this, then we're just going to be striving on our own power and we're going to miss it. We're going to misunderstand what it means to love. We could spend hours talking about what love is, and we'll do a little bit of that uh, here. And we'll actually expound on that in the subsequent passages of one another, and they all expound on this idea of loving one another. What does love look like? But it has to be rooted in the love of God. And the love of the one who is glorious and the only one who deserves this kind of glory. Because he is the one who first loves us. And that, that matters. Verse 34, he loves us. We, we know as well from earlier in John that God so loved the world that he gave his only son here, the son of man, to, to save the world, to give eternal life to us. This is the love of God that comes for us. And it matters that it is God. It's the one I loved George's prayer that, that he, he made everything that we need for life. He's not only the creator, he's the sustainer of life. He's in control of all of it. He's the one that Colossians chapter one tells us that all things were made by him and through him and for him. We, we cannot even comprehend how glorious he is. And he is the one who loves us. We need to sit in and be reminded of this continually so that we might be motivated and empowered by it. We, we think about the love that we receive from others, right? Or the, uh, the affirmations that we receive from others. And, and it often matters who it comes from. We receive it differently from different people. We receive it differently from people that we really respect or they're people whose love we really want and desire. And we receive it differently than, than accolades or claims from a stranger. You know, hopefully you, you experience some of this. It can be really painful uh, uh, to have somebody say something about you or your tribe or your group on social media. But it's so much worse to, to hear it in person from somebody that you love and respect. It matters who we hear and receive love from. And here we have it from the one who created and sustains all of life and all of his glory, he is the one who has loved us. We love one another as he loved us. First John, so John later, um, after Jesus has he's now told the story of Jesus's life and death and resurrection and ascension. And uh, then he's speaking to the churches. And in first John chapter four, verse seven, he gives again this same call to love one another. 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. There's this direct link to who God is and all of his glory, and anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. There's this rooting in the glory of God, the one who created and sustains all things, who actually defines love itself. You know, we often find ourselves um, or find others around us where we make these judgments. Is God loving? This thing happened. We, we all ex- have experienced difficulty in life, struggles in life, and we think and we begin to judge. Is God loving? We put ourselves as the judge of God himself, of the creator. And what we're reminded here by John, both in the book of John and in 1 John, is that God actually is love, therefore he defines love, but he also gives it to us. And we'll see specifically how he does that in a moment, but God is the very definition of love because he embodies it perfectly. And that love is linked with action. Oftentimes we hear, if you just take the word love, what comes to mind is often emotional love or erotic love. Those, you hear love in, just in broadly in culture, that's often what it is. We, we might have, if you've been in the church for any period of time, we talk about the different kinds of love mentioned in Scripture. This is agape love that is talked about here, this sacrificial, committed love. Um, that it is not eros, uh, it is uh, not brotherly love, it's this this sacrificial love that God is speaking of that we were called to love one another. So other places where uh, love one another is mentioned, uh, we find it linked to action that we would take for one another. In John 15, verse 12, that love one another is linked to laying down our life for one another. In John 15, 17, in 1 Peter 1, 22, and 2 John 5, uh, loving one another is directly linked to keeping the commandments of Jesus, of being obedient to what he has called us to do, saying that it actually matters the way that we live, that love is not just, oh, you know, I'll just get along. You just kind of go with the flow and don't, you know, oftentimes love becomes this, I don't want to, I don't want to call anybody out. I don't want to challenge them. It can be hard to actually call people uh, but to, on, on their brokenness and sin. But if we want to care for them, then, then we're going to step into relationship in such a way that we would say it, it matters how we live our lives. And it's loving to care for uh, one another. I, I, I use the illustration regularly. Um, sometimes it becomes a joke that we don't let our kids play in the interstate, right? Because we're mean and we're, we don't want them to have freedom. But the reality is, I hope that you, you wouldn't let my kids play in the interstate either, that you would care for them by, by stepping in. If you saw them running into the interstate, that you would say, no. Um, I mean, they're old enough now to, to uh, I think they're probably not going to do that, right? But the, the, the point is that we actually care for people when they're stepping into places that aren't helpful for them. That's, that's loving, and it takes action, and sometimes it's, it's difficult to, to say to, to another person, you know, you're, you're be, be kind of being a jerk when you said this. Um, or, uh, uh, you know, I, I want what's good for you. Um, but there is this action that continually plays out in the way that we love one another. We see uh, this is true in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, when Paul is saying love one another, uh, that he says the Thessalonian church, they know this. 
And it's demonstrated in the fact that they've been caring for the Macedonians. They've been providing for them. They've been stepping into loving one another. Uh, this is part of just this is small part of the picture of loving one another is that next week we're going to uh, serve a meal to those that could really use a meal. That's loving uh, other folks. There's action associated with that. Um, it, it, it requires being in relationship. We, we've talked about um, Libby, our youngest, said, I, I really like uh, the worship at our church. And, and I hope that there's some, as we were at four different churches over the last four weeks, she said she really likes it. Uh, yes, she's not here this morning. Uh, but she'll be back, and she likes it. She enjoys it, right? And now, part of that, I hope, is because we're thoughtful and we, uh, about the way we do things, for the reason we do things. But I think a huge part of it is that we're in relationship with one another. We have deep, lasting relationships here. We want others to be a part of that. Uh, We want to draw others into that. So if you're a visitor, we want to have deep relationship with you. We want to draw you in. We we want to live life together. That's part of what this is. We have to be in relationship to love one another. And so that's the beauty of being in the body of Christ and worshiping together on Sundays. So this action of love is displayed most prominently in God's sacrificial love for us. So right after God is love, 1 John 4, verse 9 says that that love is, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. His love is manifest in the work of Jesus Christ, in the work that Jesus did, the the sacrificial love that he has done. We have to, if we think about this call to love one another, which we might hear regularly all around us, right? We should just, we just need to love one another without deep thought into what it is. It has to be rooted in the love and glory of God and the love that he has for us. If it is not rooted in that love, it is a striving that we will never complete. We will never get there. We will never be good enough. We will, part of the beauty of God's love for us is that we didn't deserve it. We didn't love one another well enough so that he then loved us. No, he loved us. And so then our love flows out of that. In fact, he loved us when we weren't lovable, when we weren't loving one another, when we were failing, knowing that we would actually continue to fail. He loved us. For us to love one another, we have to root ourselves in his love for us. Not earn it, but rest in it. That is the beauty of what he has done for us. That is the gospel of the glory of God loving us. And the moment that we think it's about my effort or my ability to love one another, we have, we've missed the mark and we will fail even more. But the moment that we recognize that even in our failure, he forgives and still loves us and then empowers us to love others, then we're able to step into that sacrificial love that we might love others with that same kind of love. And so we see the second thing besides his glory is his sacrifice, that his love was manifest in his sacrifice for us. He says there is a new commandment. A new commandment I give you, verse 34. Wait, wasn't this already a commandment? Yeah, it, absolutely it was, this idea of loving one another. Leviticus 19, 18. If you were here for the, the preaching series a few years ago to Leviticus, I, I hope you see the, the beautiful picture it is of God's love and desire to be in relationship with us. That's not often the way that we think about Leviticus. I think it's absolutely true. But 
This passage, Leviticus 19.18, is where we first find, love your neighbor. And then he says, I am the Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. He's actually rooting, even then in Leviticus, the love, the call to love our neighbor rooted in his glory. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh who wants personal relationship with his people, but the one who created all things and reigns and rules over all things. He's reminding them of that glory so that they would love their neighbor out of that. Same true in Leviticus is true here. But what's different here is that what, what Paul talks about is the, uh, in other places, particularly in Galatians, this mystery revealed in the life and work of Jesus Christ. It's, it's not new in the sense that it, it was uh, works before and now it's grace. It's always been grace, but there is this work of Jesus that wasn't fully understood beforehand until it was revealed in Jesus, his sacrificial Love That he came into this world as a child, that he came into Bethlehem to this nobody family and then lived in Egypt as an exile and then in Nazareth, this nowhere town, and that he didn't become this great military leader, that he died for you and me. That was new. So to love others as I have loved you is this focus on the sacrificial love that he has that was not fully understood at this time. So we find ourselves here in John 13 at the beginning of uh, four chapters that has many theologians refer to as the final discourse. John 13, there are 21 chapters in the book of John. We're well into here already in chapter 13, the last week of Jesus's life. And so as we see in verse 31, Judas goes out to betray Jesus. What is happening here is Jesus is headed to his death. And in the midst of heading to his death, which is this moment that is going to be central in not only his life, obviously, but in history of the universe. In the history of redemption in all of the world, this is this central moment that is happening. And he begins it with this call to love one another. He begins this call to love one another This is central to who he is and what he's doing, that he himself is headed to die for the people of God. And yes, absolutely, it will impact those who aren't followers of Jesus. And the hope is, ultimately, that those who aren't followers of Jesus would see that love and that they would want to be drawn into it themselves. And and that's part of the motivating factor for us as we love one another. Verse 35, Jesus says, so that... uh, Sorry, Jesus says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The kind of love that we would have for one another would be uh, surprising and noticeable by those uh, outside. That's the kind of deep love that we have. Now, let's admit, that's not always the case in the church. There there is brokenness in the church and failure in the church. I've had this conversation even over this week with folks of lamenting places where I, as a, as a leader, have at, at times failed people. I'm supposed to be the place of, of beauty and rest. And it reminds me of the gospel. And, and, and I pray then empowers me not to, not to overlook and just resign myself to the fact that that's going to happen, but to actually be on guard against that happening again. 
and looking to Jesus both for forgiveness and redemption, uh, but also the, the ability to, to walk forward in, in order to love one another well. And without the gospel, that, that, there is no hope. We're, we're going to mess it up without the hope that Jesus offers because we're never going to get it right. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how smart we are. We're never going to be perfect. Yes, to be clear, there will be points where we will get it right. We will love people well. But we will not always be perfect. And there is then the forgiveness that is offered because of his sacrifice. So that then as we have this call to sacrificially love one another, we might be able to step into that. That we might be able to see love is not primarily sentimental. Yes, there are times it'll be sentimental, but not primarily that. It's not primarily emotional or primarily about feeling good. Certainly not primarily easy. At times it might be all of those things, but it's, it's primarily a commitment and a sacrifice to lift others up. Maybe we think about love and, and we think about the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. And maybe you've heard it at a wedding or multiple weddings. And, it, and it, it actually certainly applies in a wedding, uh, in a marriage relationship, but that's not what it's about. It's about the relationship that we all have with one another. That's the kind of love that we have for one another. So let's just look at two bits of that. First Corinthians 13, love is patient. Love is kind. Those are hard calls. Love is patient. I, I mean, we, we live in, in a time where we're conditioned to be less and less patient. Things are ready on demand all the time. And so we, we become less patient. And sometimes I even myself uh, you know, joke about my lack of patience here or there. But what I should do is I should be lamenting and mourning my lack of patience. And think about patience with one another. And the lack of patience that we often have with those living in our home. So they're going to make mistakes. That could be our spouse, or it could be our children, or it could be our parents, or our roommate. It could happen outside the home and our, with our friends or our coworkers. And, and, and we're quickly impatient. And part of it's because we're not naturally kind. Love is kind. I think one of the things that kindness brings is that we assume the best of others. I feel like this happens less and less that we assume the best about others. We more and more quickly put people into categories and, and then as a result aren't kind, whether it's in our thoughts or our words or our actions. I mean, these are incredibly difficult steps to take to be patient and kind. And yet, that's just like, if, if you think about that and you think about the love that you have for those around you, uh, if you're honest, you're gonna see the ways in which you failed. Again, the beauty of the gospel brings forgiveness and empowers us to move forward in sacrificial love for one another. To, to admit that we, that we make mistakes, that this call is actually impossible until we need forgiveness and we need power from God to work. That we might be able to step forward in incredibly sacrificial ways. I read the story, um, Anne Lamont writes the story about a young boy around eight years old, his sister ends up with leukemia and she needs a blood transfusion and she needs a blood donor that matches and it turns out that her brother matches. And so her, her parents ask him, are you willing to give your sister uh, blood? 
for this blood transfusion. She, she needs this. And, and he says, let, let me think about it, and I'll, I'll let you know in the morning. And in the morning, he says, yes, I'm, I'm going to do it. And, uh, and so they go in very soon after that, and they, they do the blood transfusion, and they, they pull blood from him, and then they uh, give her the blood. And he's sitting there, and he says, when do I start to die? Because he thought that that was the kind of sacrifice that he was making. He was willing to make it. That was why he had to think about it. It was powerful to hear a story like that. And we'll probably never be in that situation. So we, we hear stories like that, and they're powerful and emotional, I think, in good ways. But it really comes down to, in that moment where we're at the end of a hard day, and we've either been working or caring for kids or striving at school or dealing with brokenness with friends or family, and we come home and we're fixed a meal or help fix a meal and there are a bunch of dirty dishes and we, we all, everybody in the family has a reason why it should be somebody else that should take care of it. Or there's one cookie left and four people that want it. I mean, it's just little things like that that don't seem like a big deal, but those are the ways in which love builds up. And those are the kinds of things that we're faced with every day. Maybe, maybe some of us in this room will be faced with some real opportunity to actually lay down our life literally for somebody else. But most of us want. The question about loving one another comes in more to the day in, day out, loving and caring for one another. And, and we have to admit, as we enter into a relationship with one another, the older I get, the more I realize that I didn't really know what love meant uh, 10 15 years ago, yesterday, I have to learn more and more. So another story that I heard this week was uh, a pastor who was telling his grandfather about being engaged. His grandfather says, let's go out for a ride. And they go out for this ride, and, and the grandfather asks him, uh, you know, why, why are you engaged? Why are you doing this? And he, he says, um, ultimately, he says a few things. He says, because I love her. The grandfather says, pull over. They stop. He turns to him. He says, son, you don't know what love is. Let's go. That was it. That was the advice. And what he, what he was communicating at that point is, you have no idea what you're getting into. You, you have the feelings and emotions at this point, And we sometimes have those with friends and all parts of our family. But as we go through life, things will get hard. And loving folks becomes difficult. They, and we just learn every day what love is and how to step into it and actually sacrificially love one another. And that commitment is what love is. Not only in marriage, but in every relationship we have, it's, it's being committed to one another and being there for them. And when we're challenged with this and we think about having to step into that, we've got to sit in the fact that Jesus, in all of his glory, loved us. And when we do that, we just begin to be empowered and motivated to actually step into this. To step into the places when we fail and receive forgiveness. To step into the places where we have done well and not be prideful. Because the love of Jesus, again, it's his sacrificial love that brings about forgiveness and our failure, but then empowers us to step into this love well.